Let me know if this sounds like you. You're a teacher who's at their wits end, burned out, or maybe you're just stressed to the max. You want to get on the road to burnout recovery, but you don't know what to do, how to get there, or if it's even possible. I hear you and I want to help, but we didn't get into burnout on the same path. So why should recovery be any different? That's why I wanted to share with you a brand new free resource that I have on my website. It's called the Personalized Roadmap to Teacher Burnout Recovery. In this quick, less than five minute quiz, you'll answer questions that will help identify your needs, your strengths, and your weaknesses. Once you've completed it, you will have access to the personalized roadmap to burnout recovery that's going to give you your next best steps to take on your recovery journey, packed with resources and support along the way. Head over to teachingmindbodyandsoul.com slash quiz or head over to the link in the show notes. I cannot wait to see your action steps along the way. Enjoy today's episode. Welcome back to episode seven of the Resilient Teacher Podcast. Are you struggling with an influx in student behaviors, feeling unsupported by administration, One of the things that my teacher friends keep DMing me about is about dealing with this insane amount of behavior issues, which is impacting their stress levels and leading to higher levels of burnout. So in a recent poll I did in my Instagram stories, 87% of the teachers said that behavior was burning them out, which is really very surprising considering only about 50% of them were unsure or thought that their classroom management needed an upgrade. So what's the deal? You can scroll through TikTok, you can take a walk down the halls at your school, and I'm sure somewhere someone is saying something about student behaviors. And we hear that the kids have just forgot how to act. There's this push for social emotional learning to help regain some of the appropriate behaviors. But the truth is nothing we've been doing for the past however many years in teaching is working the way that it used to. Am I right or am I right? I'm right. In this episode, we are hitting the ground running and talking about student behaviors that are leading to burnout, the factors contributing to behavior, how stress response and emotional regulation can reduce behaviors, and getting some seriously amazing tips to reduce the impact of behavior issues in the classroom from Gina Peluso and Rachel Nye from Behavior by Design. Gina is a kindergarten teacher and classroom behavior management coach for teachers. With over a decade of experience in the classroom, she knows firsthand what it's like to struggle to teach because you're constantly managing behaviors. Rachel is a special education teacher and certified trauma professional passionate about helping teachers shape student behavior through a trauma-informed lens. Gina and Rachel met on Instagram and instantly realized their philosophies about behavior management were aligned. They realized that they could have a bigger impact on teachers by working together. Their mission is to empower teachers to change student behavior in positive ways by equipping them with easy-to-implement behavior supports and have fun while they're at it. So let's dive right in. Hey there, and welcome to the Resilient Teacher Podcast, the podcast giving overwhelmed and burned out teachers inspiration, sustainable strategies, and reigniting passion for teaching. I'm Brittany, a special education teacher and teacher resilience and retention strategist, and I am on a mission to inspire educators to prioritize their mental health and individualize their self-care routines so that they can live a balanced, fulfilling life as an educator while making a bigger impact in their classrooms and communities. Each week, I'll be sharing tips, strategies, mindset shifts, and discussing hot topics in teacher resilience with other knowledgeable experts so that you can ditch the overwhelm, prevent burnout, and create the life you've been dreaming about. So let's get started, and let me remind you that you too are a resilient teacher. 
welcome to the Resilient Teacher Podcast. I'm so glad to have you guys on here together. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about you both and how you ended up working together? Sure. Uh, hi, guys. So I am Rachel. Um, Gina and I were actually like Instagram friends first. Um, and she is the only person that I've ever met offline. And I was like, hey, I really like you as like a human and as a friend. Um, and we just both got together on Instagram talking about behavior um, and just you know, we have like the same philosophies about behavior. So we decided that we would meet in person after we launched our courses and we kind of like worked together to develop a plan for like how we were going to launch. And then we wanted to meet to celebrate that. And so we met in real life and then real life dinner turned into like a three hour meeting of us just talking about behavior and students and how we could help. And we just got lit up and now we're here together working together yeah it was this crazy thing of like sitting there drinking margaritas looking at each other like did we just become friends in real life like (laughs) so I actually met Gina online first and I really just loved her energy I loved how she helps educators with behavior management so actually she provided a training for the individualized educare program which is my program and that's amazing. If you're a member of the Individualized Educare Program, it's in the self-care support library. But I loved having her on there. And then, of course, I started following Rachel because they're like two peas in a pod <laughs> and yet very different personality types, too, which I love. But I needed to hear more of y'all's advice for teachers. Can you guys tell me a little bit about what your teacher journeys were? What brought you to what you're doing now to help teachers? Yeah. So if you are in the membership and you did watch the training that I did, um, I talked a little bit about my journey there, but pretty much in a nutshell, I had a super challenging class, one of my first few years of teaching. And I really just was constantly managing disruptions and I couldn't teach. And I just felt like I was so horrible at it, right? Like it was my lifelong dream to be a teacher. And then all of a sudden, like I was just playing whack-a-mole all day. So I kind of got to this point where I, I just felt like I was not an effective teacher. And I was like, wow, I, I don't think I can actually do this. Like, I think this is it. Like I tried it, I gave it a good go and, and it's just not working. And I, I would get so worked up every day, just like I'm trying everything and nothing's working. Um, and if you've heard my story before, you know that I would hide in a supply closet in the office at school and just cry while, while my kids were at recess. And one day, one of my friends found me there and she gave me some tough love. She is not like a mushy person at all. She's very like, you know, put your booth, put your bootstraps up and go and go do it. Um, and she said to me, Gina, no one's coming. Like no one's coming to save you. There's no magic wand. You need to figure this out. You can't leave in the middle of the school year. Um, And so I did. I listened to like every podcast. I went to every training. I read every book that I could get my hands on just to really learn more about classroom management and behavior because our teacher prep programs really didn't prepare us for it. They did not. The only thing that I learned was like make classroom rules. It's like, all right, well, what happens when the kids are throwing things at you and they're not following your classroom rules? So yeah, I learned everything I could. And then I realized that other people in my school didn't know these things. So I just started sharing tidbits with them um, and I I enjoyed doing it. So I thought, well, why not start and talking, start talking about it online? Um, So I did. And it's just crazy to me how 
these things just are not widely known, right? You would think that as educators, more people should know how to manage a classroom, more people should know how to manage disruptive behavior. And it's really not something that we're given the opportunity to learn about. Right. I mean, like we know from multiple studies that teacher burnout impacts student behavior, their academics, their discipline issues. But so many of the teachers that I work with say they're burned out by behavior and it's worse than ever before. Why do you think that is like or do you think it has a lot to do with the number of burned out adults like in the school environment? I think it's probably twofold. I think that it's kind of like a vicious cycle, you know, like if you are a teacher and even if you're not burned out yet and you have so much challenging student behavior, it, it starts to burn you out because you, like I did, you try everything that you can and you get to a point where you don't know what else to try anymore. So you kind of hit a wall and then you have a short fuse because you're so burnt out. So then a student engages in a disruptive behavior and you don't have the brain power to deal with it. So you just kind of snap and you just rely on like a threat or a bribe. And then that, you know, doesn't do anything to help the behavior. So it just makes it worse. And it's just this awful cycle, like a hamster wheel that you can't get off of. And I think that behavior is, you know, in general, I think that behavior looks very different in the classroom now than it did like when we were in school. Um, And I think a lot of that you know, students are coming to school with more trauma and they're not just leaving it at the door when they walk in. Um, The expectations are very different. The level that we're holding these kids to is very, very high academically and behaviorally. Um, But, you know, with like, within our society, like our, our society has changed and technological advancement keeps on, you know, giving us new things and kids are getting, um, so much more instant gratification and with social media and comparison, there's so many factors that are contributing to student behavior. Um, and I think that, you know, that affects self-confidence and there's unintentional, you know, collateral damage from that. And a lot of that is, ends up being student behavior is escalated in the classroom. And we see that. And unfortunately, teachers are tasked with figuring out why it's happening, how to fix it and how to help themselves in the process. And again, like Gina said, teacher prep programs do a very poor job um, of letting us into learning about that and of giving us the tools that we need to be successful. Yeah. So I have teachers who come to me in my program and they're like exhausted, like Gina was, and mainly by the number of behavioral problems, issues, constant up and downs. I mean, they're stressed about the kids wild and out, you know, what would you say to those teachers to encourage them or tell them to do to change that mentality and turn things around? I would say first, we have to stop fighting the behavior because I think sometimes we get so overwhelmed by just the idea of it happening in our classrooms that we set ourselves up for failure before we've even begun. Um, Behavior is not going anywhere and it's only going to get worse. And I think we all know that and we have to just kind of recognize where we're at and be able to get the tools that we need in order to, you know, deal with this in our classrooms and support kids. But we also have to give we have to give ourselves some grace with it because it is a process and it is something that 
um, just like we were learning how to teach kids how to read or, you know, teaching them math, um, we need to look at it the same way. It's a skill that we have to build and we have to try different things, get creative, um, learn some of the foundational systems, but then also learn what's working for us in our classrooms because classroom management looks very different classroom to classroom and it should based on your style of teaching and your personality. There's not a one size fits all. Um, and this is really why like we created our own membership for behavior to support teachers because we want it to be individualized enough to where you have the foundation, you can do, you know, you can do great things with these foundational pieces, but make it work for you because it really does need to be um, an individual, an individualized program. I love that you say individualized because I'm a special educator. So everything in my mind is individualized. And even my program the, is called the individualized educare program. Like I we think alike girl. Yes. <laughs> yes. Gina, do you have anything to add to that? Or yeah, that just I kinda... would say, I mean, Rachel really captured all of it, but I think the other thing that Rachel and I talk about a lot is not taking student behavior personally, because when there, there are so many educators out there. I mean, even in my own building that I hear saying things like, um, they're trying to manipulate me. They are trying to, uh, I mean, trying to give me a hard time. They are out to get me. And like, these are five, six, seven, eight-year-olds we're talking about. Like they don't wake up in the morning and think like, wow, what can I do to really screw my teacher's day up? You know, it's right. all about behavior being communication of a need. And that's the only way they know to get their need met. So it's not about them trying to make you have an awful day. It's, it's them trying to communicate with you what they need. And so when we stop taking that so personally and kind of remove ourselves from the situation, I think we can see it much clearer um, and I think then we can approach it in a way that um, we, we actually have the tools or are open to learning the tools, I should say, um, to find a way to change that behavior. Otherwise, we just are putting up this wall and are just saying like, nope, we're not dealing with it because, you know, that student is coming to me and trying to make my life miserable. With the beginning of the year rapidly approaching, um, what are some main tips to reduce the impact of behaviors for the new school year? Are there things that you can recommend teachers do to be prepared so they don't lose their marbles? Yes, <laughs> that is the number one thing that we want teachers to start doing now. The summer is such a great time um, because you do have a little bit more flexibility, hopefully, in order to put some things in place today so that you can start the year off a little bit more, you know, at ease. Now, granted, it's not a matter of like if behavior is going to arise, it's a matter of when because we all know it's going to happen. So we got to, like Gina said, you know, put our big girl boots on and, and just know what's coming up. Um, but being prepared and, you know, empowering teachers to be able to tackle anything that comes their way is such a passion of Gina and I is. And I think that, you know, even like with this podcast, like getting teachers in the right mindset is so important. Um, but as far as like some practical strategies to implement so that you're ready, um, we call them the three C's. <laughs> so the first one is to stay calm. The second is to be consistent. And the third is having a cohesive plan. So we really think that like these 
encapsulate like everything about behavior. And of course there's 80 million other things that we could be talking about, but if you stick to these three and you really, you know, stay in, in, in this lane, you're definitely going to find success. So we'll dive into them a little bit. Um, so the first one, staying calm, we want to make sure that our nervous systems are regulated. We cannot support students with dysregulated nervous systems and damage stress responses if we are not regulated. So it's really important. And that's not to say that you don't get to have your moments because you absolutely do. Like Gina cried in the closet. I have cried in the hallway running to the bathroom. I mean, we've all been there. Um, and I've lost, you know, my cool sometimes on my kid, like it happens, but the more that we can implement strategies and supports to regulate ourselves before we walk into the classroom, or even in moments where we can see that the tension is getting higher, taking some deep breaths, tapping out if you need to, um, go for a walk, really just like remembering that we need to be in control of our own emotions and our own stress responses in order to support a dysregulated child. Um, and then we also want to remember that we are only in control of two things in the classroom. <laughs> I mean, really what it comes down to is you're in control of keeping your kids safe and you're in control of giving them an opportunity to learn. We're not in control of whether they take that opportunity or what it looks like when they do or when they don't. So we can also stay calm in knowing that we're keeping our kids safe and in knowing that we're providing them opportunities to learn every single day. Um, and I think that, that that mindset shift helped me a ton when I was like freaking out because I was like, oh my God, my bosses are gonna fire me because these kids aren't learning anything. It's like, no, I'm providing them ample opportunities to learn and we're gonna get there. There's just other things that need to be in place first. So that's that first one is to stay calm. Um, Gina, do you wanna talk about the consistency piece? Yeah, so the next one is being consistent and kind of piggybacking off of how you have to stay calm. When a student engages in a challenging behavior, there's so many things going through your head that you want them to do. You know, like if they're refusing to do their math work, well, they need to sit down, they need to put their name on the, their paper, they need to start their math work, or, you know, you're going to threaten them with X, Y, and Z. And really just choosing that one non-negotiable thing that you need them to do, which a lot of the times will be centered or focused around safety, um, but, but sometimes not, is most important. So we call this the power of one. It's choosing your one non-negotiable demand that you need the student to follow through with, choosing one person, one adult, so it could be you or it could be another adult, and stating it in a clear, calm, neutral tone. So this way it is very clear to the student what their one job is um, and really not going away from that one job until that is followed through with. And also to make sure that you are consistent with what you say is going to happen. So make sure you're following through with whatever you tell the student. So by doing that, you are helping to do two things, to build trust with the student so they know that what you say is what's going to happen and to also help the child feel safe. Um, you might think that by like holding that boundary, you are not making them feel safe, but especially with students with trauma, by holding firm boundaries, that is how they feel safe and how they know that you are a safe adult. So really making sure that you just are consistent and clear with that one demand um, and following through. That's the biggest takeaway for number two. Amen, sister. <laughs> I love it's that. It's that trauma informed piece. Yes. 
<laughs> and then the third piece or the third C is a, having a cohesive plan. Um, you know, you really can't support behavior with one-off strategies that are not a part of a plan. There, there really does need to be some kind of cohesion to however you're intervening to support the student in their big behaviors. So we look at it as twofold. One, we want to look at the function of the behavior, which is really just a fancy word for saying, why is this happening? Is the student trying to escape something? Are they trying to gain access to something? Do they need your attention? Um, what are they looking for? And then the second piece, which I think sometimes doesn't get enough attention, is those lagging skills. So we need to look at why, if you're, if you're saying, why is a student doing it? Okay, well, they're trying to escape something. So they're running out of the classroom when something is happening in the classroom. Okay, but why are they running out of the classroom? Like you can identify the function all day long, but if you don't identify the lagging skill that they need, then you're gonna be left with the same behavior. So we really wanna figure out why are they leaving the classroom? Why is the function escape? Is that that they don't have the self-confidence to take a risk to try this worksheet that you've just provided? Or is it that they don't have the social skills that they need to be able to feel successful in this environment because they don't have true connections? What is it? What is that lagging skill? And once you identify the function and the lagging skill, you can really create a plan that sets your student up for success which in turn is going to lead you to feeling more successful in your classroom and less time putting out fires. Amen. Even in teacher programs and teacher, um, like in college, nobody ever told you all these pieces that you needed. They would give you like a part over here and then a part over here. And because you've never seen it in the classroom, it didn't really make sense. But that is so I love that. I love that so much. So when we think about behavior management, what's like the biggest thing that you see that teachers do that you're like, ah, don't do that. <laughs> um, so first of before we answer this question, I just want to say like, we've all done these things and we've all been there. So like, just because yes. we're telling you what to do now, doesn't mean that we haven't made these mistakes in the past because Lord knows I have, and I still continue to make mistakes. Like we know all of this and sometimes the emotions get the better of us and we just feel out of control. And then we, you know, make mistakes too. So I just want to give everybody grace that like, if this is something that you are currently doing, like, don't feel bad about yourself. It doesn't make you a crappy teacher. Like you're still amazing. It's just changing that mindset and just learning different ways and different tools. Um, but the number one thing that I think is really destructive to working with kids with big behaviors is being afraid of them, being afraid of students. And this could be afraid of the student that just shouts out inappropriate things or afraid of the student that's truly like destroying your classroom. But I think being afraid of kids if you walk in with that energy, they can tell and they know that you're afraid of them. And that equates to them feeling like I'm not worthy. You can't like me. Why would you ever like me? And it just really starts this downward downward spiral. Um, and then in turn, you know, those kids get labeled as the bad kids. And even though, yes, those behaviors are really difficult to deal with. And yes, would it be so much easier if we didn't have them? Sure. But those are not the bad kids, right? Those are the kids that need so much more love and so much more attention. And we really need to be looking at ways to, I call it like making them our MVP, our most valuable player, really just like honing in on that because those are the kids that need it. The other kids that come in and that just like do the work and they're there, they're nice, they're smiling, they're getting along with people. Like those kids have that inherently from their families or wherever, you know, some of the kids with big behaviors don't have that. So we just need to make sure that we're reframing it and that those kids are not just the bad kids and that, you know, we're not afraid of them. 
Dina, do you have anything you want to add to that? Like what, yeah. what's the one thing for you? So we were actually talking about this earlier today and we were just laughing hysterically because um, I'm, I'm usually pretty, pretty focused in my answers to things. And <laughs> my answer to this one is just that people need to shut up. Like, I love it, Gina. I love it so stop. much. <laughs> they need to stop talking. Um, and really, it comes down to like, you know, a, a students having a big behavior and we just get in this like brain space where we are just word vomiting and just threatening all of these things. And it comes to a point where like, after a few minutes, you don't realize it, but all of a sudden you've taken away like all their play dates for the next year. They're not getting any birthday presents and like Santa's not coming. Like, <laughs> how did we get there? Like, <laughs> I don't know how we got there. You have to, you have to just be okay with the silence. And it, I know it's so hard to do, but you, you just really have to stop with the threatening. I mean, I had a, a student, I remember actually in this hard year of teaching who the entire week was telling us that she was going to New Jersey to visit her family. And she was so excited. And I had another adult who was in my classroom when she started, um, you know, escalating. And the adult looked at her and goes, if you do that one more time, you're not going to New Jersey. And she did it again. And, and surprise, she still went to New Jersey. So I not mean, only was it like an open threat, but now the student has learned that like, you don't mean what you say. So there are so many problems with that. So that really is my biggest thing is just. As a parent, talking. as a parent, like that is, yeah. I mean, I can't, like you were saying earlier, Rachel, you said, you know, we all do that. Like as a parent though, I <laughs> that regularly I just need to hush <laughs> I just need to hush. well we all need to take our own advice sometimes right yeah, right oh yeah but right. really like that's kind of what Gina and I talk about and like that's our real focus like if we could whittle it down to one thing that we would say like is our behavior focus it's not being control focused but being more of that function focused um trying to like utilize multiple things in your toolkit and not just trying to like be in control of your classroom be in control of students because Shocker, we have no control over what they do. Like we really don't. Zero control, right. Yeah. So for those teachers who have really struggled to get a handle on the challenging behavior from the last couple of years, or they're just brand new to teaching, do you guys have recommendations for like books or courses, anything like that? Yeah, we pretty much um, read and listen to the same things, I would say. Um, one book that I'm reading right now that I absolutely love is called Fostering Resilient Learners. Um, and that is just a great book that explores both like brain science and also some practical strategies for setting your classroom up for all learners, but especially students who have trauma. Um, and then my second really is anything Ross Green. So I know Lost at School is a favorite book. Um, the Explosive Child is like my number one all-time favorite. Ross Green is just so succinct in his words and also just gives actual action steps um, that teachers can use in their classroom. So I found both of those very helpful. I love that the first one has resilient in it. I mean, I, I might be biased or whatever, but. <laughs> I didn't plan that, I promise. 
I do. I do. I love that. And there, there seems to be this misconception about resiliency that because it's been so overused in like with administration, well, you just need to be a little bit more resilient. And it's like, no, the whole purpose of my podcast is really to talk about how you already are resilient to remind you that you are and build additional resilience. And I think that's the same way with our students. They have resilience inside of them, but sometimes they just need additional skills in order to be more resilient. Do you have any um, additional like books, courses, anything like that, um, Rachel? Yeah. So my all-time favorite book that I recommend to everybody is The Deepest Well. Um, and I just love that book because it is a trauma informed book. Um, it really dives into like all about the ACEs. Um, but more than that, it's, it's a story. It's a bunch of different stories about different children, but it's really this narrative, um, that instead of just telling you a list of things to do, it's really like mindset and just understanding and connecting to the concepts of like how trauma affects the body, um, from a physiologic standpoint. And I think that that can be a really hard thing to read <laughs> and to learn about. But this um, Nadine, Dr. Nadine Burke Harris, she does an amazing job of just narrating it to where it feels like um, conversational. And I just think that that book is great. Awesome. So I will link those in the show notes just for anybody who wants to check those out because they all sound like really great resources. And I know you guys have a membership together called Behavior by Design, which sounds amazing, by the way. I mean, the boundary work in July's membership is so on track with what I talk about and advocate for educators. So can you like share about that with the listeners for the program, how it works, who it's for, that sort of thing? Yeah. So I'm totally obsessed with it because I've been like in the online space for a couple of years and I love the work that I've done, but behavior by design is like, it's, it's our baby and it's just so fun and I love it. And I just think that it's so incredibly needed right now. Um, but really what the program is, it's a monthly membership for teachers. It's for general ed teachers and special education teachers, because I'm a special ed teacher. Gina's a, a gen ed teacher. So, you know, we definitely have both of those perspectives. Um, but it really supports you in understanding and learning different tools for dealing with behaviors. So managing them in the classroom, it's trauma informed. We really want to make sure that everything that we provide you is also also culturally responsive. We're huge on like emotional intelligence, building skills. Um, and the number one thing is that it has to be flexible. So just like we kind of talked about earlier, we want these tools to be able to work for you in your classroom. I'm not going to give you something that you can print off and just like, you have to use it this way. Like we really want our members to be able to, and to feel empowered to utilize the structures that we've given you, but tweak them to fit your kids and your program and your special sauce. Because as a teacher, we've all got that one thing that makes us really unique. Um, and you know, we want to highlight that because teachers are pretty rad, <laughs> but yeah, so we just want, um, teachers to be able to come in and to be able to get the tools that they need and also have some fun in the process. Awesome. I mean, it just, it really sounds great. And if you guys have a link for that, I can put that in the show notes as well, because it really, it sounds so needed, especially for a lot of the educators that I work with. They talk about behavior all the time. That is something that they constantly talk about. Oh, and I also saw and totally downloaded um, the morning rituals freebie that you guys were offering. Um, and I'm going to link that in the show notes. That way everybody can go and opt in for that. But can you talk a little bit about what morning rituals are, why you guys think they're important, that sort of thing? I love it. I love it. Yay. I'm glad that you loved it. Um, 
this was kind of something that came up. I mean, it's not like our normal content um, for behavior by design because we really give you like a lot of tools that you can use in the classroom. But when we looked, we kind of zoomed out on behavior a little bit and we were thinking, Gina and I were like, okay, but like, how do we set ourselves up for being the best teacher and human being that we can be before we get to the classroom? Um, so that's really where this morning rituals guide came through. Um, and we created a list of very simple, very easy things to do in the morning or in the evening. And we also did like um, an audio training that comes with it as well. And like Gina's an evening gal, I'm a morning gal. So I do my morning rituals at 5 a.m. but she does her rituals more towards the end of the day and like whatever whatever works for you is fine um but really these are just opportunities for you to focus in on yourself to honor yourself your energy and reset your nervous system so that you're primed and ready to go for whatever lies ahead whether it's your day or your evening into the next morning um just teachers taking some time out for themselves and hopefully we made it as accessible as possible because like neither one of us are here for like the two hour morning routine. Like nobody has time for that. So we chose Not a things single that were, person. No, <laughs> sleep. Nope. And I'm pregnant right now. So like in the next few months, I'm going to be giving birth and I'm like, I'm going to have even less time. So we like, we need to make these things work for us. Um, so we just created a list and then a guide of how you can utilize this um, practice and also how you can look through the lens of regulating your nervous system, how you can support students in that work as well, because that really is what it comes down to at the end of the day. So lastly, before we close out, um, can you tell the listeners where they can find you, any other ways to connect with you guys or things you guys offer? Yeah. So you can find us on Instagram. Our Instagram is very, very baby right now. We just started it. So please come find us. Um, it's at behavior by design. Our website where you can find out more about our membership and how you can get involved with that is behaviorbydesigned.com. So behaviorbydesigned.com. Um, and that'll tell you more about the membership. We offer a lot of things every month based on, um, based on one monthly theme. So we, we have a live training with members every month where if you can't come live, you'll get the recording. We also give out one of those free printables just like the morning rituals one was. Um, you get one every month that goes a little bit deeper into the monthly theme or a specific strategy. And it also comes with an audio training, which is like our mini version of a members only podcast, which I think that's both of our favorite parts. Um, then we have a programming party once a month, which is like just a live hangout where members can bring something they're working on or questions that they have just to get feedback and support. Um, and we also have a Facebook community where members can ask questions and get more real-time support when they're going through things. So if you visit us on our website or on Instagram, you can find out more about the membership. And we'd love to have you. And we also have a fun thing that we are doing next month, which is our free event. So it's completely free. It is our behavior by design back to school summer series. So we're doing a two-day free event. Um, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> I'm really excited. We've like mapped it all out and I'm, I just can't wait. Um, but it's really going to be targeted towards special ed special education teachers and general education teachers. So there will be some 
group um, lessons, like different things that we're going to be teaching you guys to make sure that you are prepared to handle challenging behavior um, as soon as the first day of school hits. But we're also going to be um, kind of verging off. So Gina is going to teach some gen ed classes. I'm going to teach some sped stuff so that you can get yourself organized. Um, and it's really just going to be a fun, like end of summer, beginning of the school year kickoff. So we're going to be doing that in August. So it's completely free. So we have a link to that too, if you want to want to join. Absolutely. Yes. So we're going to put that in the show notes too, because awesome. I know that so many teachers are looking for something quite like that so that they can get kind of pumped up for school to start and start off on the right foot. So I want to thank you guys for joining me on the podcast and for sharing all of your knowledge. And I really like hanging out with you guys. It was really fun. Thank you for having thank us. You. This was a blast. It yeah. was, it was awesome. I could talk to you guys all day. <laughs> So as you can see, there is a lot of emphasis on how behavior impacts our burnout. And if you're struggling with that aspect, it can truly be twofold or a ripple effect, depending on your environment, your students, and just your overall well-being. Taking care of our emotional well-being and regulating that not only impacts our stress levels, but as we talked about in this episode, it can truly de-escalate behaviors in the classroom. Taking time for ourselves, giving ourselves compassion and decompressing is not emphasized enough for our educators so that they don't burn out. So if no one told you today, I'm telling you now, while we can't control the behaviors, we can take control of our well-being, and I give you full permission to pencil yourself in. The whole purpose of this episode was to share with you some tips and tools to head back to the classroom and have one last thing that will be impacting your burnout. I want to reiterate that Rachel and Gina with Behavior by Design are doing a back-to-school behavior event that is completely free. And I'm going to be sharing some burnout basics at this event as well. So if this is an area that you struggle, we'd love to have you join us. The link for that event and how to sign up is in the show notes. I want to thank you guys for joining me again. I will see you next week on the Resilient Teacher Podcast. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. To keep this conversation going, connect with me on Instagram at Teaching Mind, Body, and Soul or TikTok at Miss Princess Teach. I am always looking for an excuse to remind you that you are a resilient teacher. If you're looking for more support in creating a sustainable, individualized self-care plan to beat burnout, squash stress, and build educator resilience, check out my online membership and course, The Individualized Educare Program at teachingmindbodyandsoul.com slash individualizededucareprogram. I'll see you next time. Before you go, head over to teachingmindbodyandsoul.com slash podcast to check out any links, freebies, and resources discussed in this episode so that you can start recovering from or preventing burnout and reigniting your passion for teaching. If you liked this episode and it helped you or made you think in any way, I know it will be for other educators too. So subscribe and leave a review so more educators can find this community as well. Did you know that you can have an incredible impact on the teachers in your life? That's right. All you have to do is share what you learned today. Take a screenshot of the episode you're listening to and tap me and post it in your stories. What do you say that we start creating a trail for more teachers around us so that we can start to make the change in the system of education, how teachers are seen and respected, and for ourselves? I look forward to connecting with you more on Instagram at Teaching Mind, Body, and Soul or TikTok at Miss Princess Teach. I am always looking for an excuse to chat more about burnout, resilience, and teacher support. I'll see you in the next episode.